Because Money was originally recorded as a video podcast, so there may be visuals that don't carry through to this audio-only version. Please visit becausemoney.ca to see the show notes, related links, and more. It doesn't kind of relate to this, this noble argument that they're making, that we can't possibly get rid of the commissions, we can't possibly uh, guarantee, as the fiduciary rule would do, that... that we will act always in the best interest of you, and we will be legally responsible if we do not. Um, we can't do that because it will keep the most vulnerable members of society from getting good financial advice. And, and this is the worst part because then they say, and it is our priority, that those people get sound financial advice. Even though the argument seems stupid, there is a bit of a nuance behind like accessible advice um, versus kind of what what the real cost is. Like, and we're not talking about fees, but like if the cost is they might not be giving you good advice, but they kind of have to give you okay advice. But like, like where did, where's the line as far as not the end result perfect world line, but like what's good enough for now? There's two things to me. There's two things that are happening, and one of them is about. Um, I, I'm going to, uh, financial literacy is one of the things I want to kind of have you bring me back to because I want to make a point about it. But the thing is the kind of free advice that people are getting, first of all, it's a business model, right? Yeah. And again, I don't want to be the person that's like, all oh, the banks make billions of dollars in profits, but what is the reasonable level of expectation for something that is necessary? Banking is really a necessary service. That's why in the Bank Act, you have to, people have to be able to get at least one checking account, hmm. right? Without, I mean, even with substandard identification, even with terrible credit, hmm. you still have to have access to a bank account because so many things now, you don't, you, I mean, most government benefits aren't even paid in a check anymore. Yeah. You have to have a bank account. Um, I was going somewhere with this. If, the, if it's a necessary service, and if there is some life and death decisions, really, not necessarily life and death, but pretty big, like, for example, here's something that somebody with not a lot of money could very conceivably and has done in the past, go into a bank and expect that I can't pay somebody $2,000 to answer this question. It feels yeah. like I can't. Yeah. But I'm, I just got let go from my job. I'm too old to find another job. They're offering me a defined benefit pension plan, but I also could have the commuted value. I, I feel like this is it. I don't have, I can't, I won't be able to save any more money. Yeah. I don't know what to do with it. What should I do with this? Well, what is the bank going to answer? There is never a time where somebody who's just sitting there who has not been trained specifically, it, like, do you really want to say that a system that's just maybe by chance that person knows things about defined benefit pension plans or could assess the health of the pension plan that you have? Probably they can't. And most likely the kind of training that they have is the training that they get on a sales call to say, mm -hmm. well, if we, if that grows at 5% and it's in your control, isn't that way better than just some defined benefit? Interest rates are so low, right? Yeah. That's the conversation. So are, for those people who were saying they don't have enough money to get really good financial advice, what is the what is actually the net effect of the shitty advice yeah. that is likely going to get, they're going to get from this free advice? Yeah. It's, 
I'm not as concerned about people with loads and loads of money that are going to get conflicted advice because no. in the end, it's just a it's just a kind of bottom line thing. No, it's it's the most vulnerable people. It's the people yeah. that that honestly, I like you said, feel like they can't afford to spend um, to spend even if they know that something like a fee only option exists or somebody that yeah. uh, somebody outside the banking system who. Let's not even say outside the system or fee only. Somebody who's trained specifically in the questions that they have, who can answer their questions and may cost an amount of money, exists. Mm -hmm. They may not know. How would they know? Because the same title applies to both of those people. And, and there's been a lot of cultural buildup to say that person behind the desk is there. It's your friend. You're richer than you think. Blue, 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 blue. The bank manager's my friend. Well, and that's they have, cultural. They have an office. And I'm sorry, but like if you have a question about your money and you don't know about money, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the bank. The place that looks like it has money. Well, it does have money. Having money is not Both their problem. That's, 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 that's not I, their problem at all. I think so here's the other thing. thing. So what we're saying is we're worried about – that's kind of let's, – let's all tie our you know, um, arguments to the backs of these people who are actually really quite vulnerable. Okay. They're going to suffer. They're already suffering, number one. And number two, the solution inevitably in a really capitalist, profit-driven mo model is they should, I mean, it's buyer beware in a sense. The suitability standard is buyer beware. We don't yeah. want to kind of split hairs. But, okay, so the solution is they should, we should teach them more. So the Ontario Securities Commission should build a website, Get Smarter About Money, and we should teach them more about it because then that way they can go and they can make informed decisions Informed decisions don't mean anything if they don't have the money in the first place. And so, again, this financial literacy thing, which is not universally bad, but is essentially a way to say, here's the system that we built. You'll, you're vulnerable for any number of reasons. Your only chance of success is fitting yourself into the system that we built. Here's a bunch of help to fit yourself into that system. Instead of, hmm. this system sucks. It doesn't serve you. Let's find ways to make the system actually serve you. <sighs> I spit a little bit while I was talking about that. But I, I guess the question that I'd have is in this specific situation where the debate down south and, and the debate here, too, is around um, a regulation. And so yeah. do regulations, focus. but do regulations help is it, and that kind of blows up the focus again. But like whether it's CRM two, whether it's um, the fiduciary, uh, the fiduciary rule that they're talking about in the states, do regulations can regulations help exactly these people that we're talking about? That's a very good question, and I'm going to answer it with a discussion, uh, a comment on the pension and um, mean income tested benefits program in Canada and the provinces. As I would expect you to. Obviously. Yeah. So, the, the tidy thinkers want to have one solution that makes sense to everybody hmm. and is easy, right? So, okay, here it is. We're going to have this thing, and it's going to solve all the problems. But the reality is. If a system doesn't work and it's made up of a bunch of little systems and all those systems were created to address something that just kind of came up, probably that system as untidy and probably as you know administratively expensive it is, is more efficient at handling all the variations in human experience than one system that was created to kind of do the best job for the most amount of people. Because in general, that means people are going to suffer, right? Yeah. So with, with regulation... It's like a game of Tetris, right? Like, do you, so here comes, okay, well, we're going to put this, we're getting one of these blocks. So we're going to regulate to make sure that this system 
that right now very clearly does not serve a lot of these people. We're going to make it so hopefully it serves them a little bit better. Now we're creating this other thing. And what are the unintended consequences yeah. um, of banning embedded commissions? Well, there's people who their whole job depends on earning commissions. Hmm. And now those people are not going to be as successful in the industry that they trained for, if we want to use that word. Some of them, I'm sure, have trained. Even if it's Anyways, just experience, you know, there's people that have spent 30 years right. in they've that been, business, you know. Exactly. And their, their mode of thinking is that way. They've yep. invested. They've, they've, in the same way that you use something like Norbert's Gambit or whatever, you're like expecting that that set of legislation is going to be there in that way because that's the way you've oriented all of your and I don't mean specifically like all these people are saying, I'm going to go into this career because of the suitability standard. No, but they're, they bought into the idea that this is how, this is how the, the, the industry works well and there's a certain amount of compensation that exists within the industry and this is what I need to be doing and people come in and I, I give them a product which is fine for them even if it's not the best for them because that's the idea of the suitability standard and yeah, oversimplification. Yeah. Like it's not like... They're not selling people like a lame donkey if they came in looking for a tractor, but you know, they're maybe selling them a really bad tractor. Is that, that maybe a terrible metaphor? Okay. <laughs> no, it's a good metaphor. I think it might be kinder to some of the things that are out there. Okay. Than... <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. There's, there are I, some lame donkeys. I guess, you know, and, and it, this might be as good a time as any to speak to what you talk about all the time too, is the fact that, there are a lot of good and well-meaning people within the system, um, within the financial system um, that really want to help people. But even those people are hamstrung by the system that they're in and they're hamstrung by the way that they are compensated. And it's not like the commission structure can't work ever, but there's, it's clearly built up so that it just, it isn't working for a lot of people. And it's specifically like, and I love the fact that, you know, you kind of focused in on the most vulnerable people because it's really not working for them, for people who they say benefit the most from having access to free advice. And I think that in the same way that we talk about CRM2 and the idea of disclosing fees, which they did a terrible job of because they're not disclosed at all. Like, let's just can, – can we just say that? Like, can that – that needs to be said a, a ton. Like they just need to get an F at disclosing fees. It's just absolutely. I. But I you knew that it would be. There was no way that any of the like, oh, CRM two is coming yeah. was going to ever come true because nobody ever said they couldn't send it with a whole bunch of other shit. Yeah. And they had. They've had two years. Yeah. To say, okay, by that date, we have to got to have our salespeople trained to like be picking up the phone six months before those statements go out and say, do you know what CIBC has done for you? Yeah. We've created this whole new statement. Yeah. Nobody else. Those people on the phone think that CIBC just did this great job for them. Yeah. No, <sighs> no, but it's the idea in the same spirit that people are like, people need to know about the fees. People need to know, um, they need to, they need to understand what the real cost of some of this free advice is. And they need to understand there needs to be, um, they need to understand who they're talking to and the fact that if you're somebody walking in the door, you're probably talking to somebody who, if they do know a lot, it's because they did it on their own, not because they had to. 
Um, and the people that do, you know, do know a lot, they're working with higher net worth people because that's, that's, that's the way the system works. And that's, that's fine. But like, look, let's be honest, you know, we're, we've been going through the same kind of program of taking courses and things like that. And, and it's clear that the training for, um, uh, certified financial planner, which is kind of what they say is the gold standard and all that stuff is specifically tilted towards working with high net individuals, high net yeah. worth individuals. And that's not a criticism. It's fine. That's how the system works. The system works that so that, that people with higher levels of training want to work with higher income people because those commissions that we talked about are more. Yeah. It's capitalism. It's fine. But that's, it, that's, it doesn't kind of relate to this, this noble argument that they're making that we can't possibly get rid of the commissions. We can't possibly uh, guarantee, as the fiduciary rule would do, that, that we will act always in the best interest of you and we will be legally responsible if we do not. Um, we can't do that because it will keep the most vulnerable members of society from getting good financial advice. And, and this is the worst part because then they say, and it is our priority that those people get sound financial advice. And it just sounds a bit like, you know, the owner of KFC, the, the Colonel standing up there and being like, look, I, we need to make sure America is healthy and, and I, I will make it my job to make sure that we help them be fed. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, but like if everybody just eats KFC, like they'll be fed, but are they going to be better off? Like, isn't it the same conversation that we're having? Like they're like, yeah. well, they're getting advice. Well, they're getting fed. Yeah. But it's not the same as health. It's not the same as good. It's not the same as better off. Yeah. You know, it, it, there's a bit of a, a gap there. Yes. That is a very good metaphor. Excellent. Excellent. Well done. <laughs> points for chris because it because it really does become it's the same reason why fast food is great when you make an informed decision when you're like look i'm gonna have fast food today and i'm gonna get that weird heart thing where it goes really fast and my arm kind of tingles and it's gonna be awesome and i'm gonna really really enjoy it and then i'm gonna have some real food laid this week because i really want to see my grandchildren you know like like you just you balance these things out and then, then it's fine. They can be a part of a picture of health. It's like, and if people want to go into the bank and talk to that person because they're not willing to spend or not feeling like they're able to spend um, money on financial planning, they just need to know what they're getting. You know, Here's they need to know they're walking into McDonald's, not something else. I think that's true. And I think at the exact same time, something else is true. And the something else is we are trained to want to please the people that we're with. Mm. We're like especially in relationship-based financial advice where it's, oh, my uncle sells, what? or that's my guy. He's been my guy for 20 years. There's, we're not looking at what, because it feels rude and wrong. What am I getting for this relationship? We are actually, um, I read an interesting article. Now this is a long time ago. I don't remember anything about it except for this idea of crossing the streams of social and business so that when you start, when you mix up a relationship, like if you're a manager and employee, or if you're an advisor and a client, and you start, you start using the coded kind of um, language and relationship kind of stuff for relationships, 
And then you suddenly move to, and now you have to pay me money or, um, uh, you haven't been doing a good enough job. Yeah. Um, it's a huge disconnect for people because I thought we were friends. I thought, you know, this was all just a friend thing. And I've, I've said this a hundred thousand times and nobody gets on board with me and it's fine, whatever. I honestly feel like, and this is so radical and stupid. It would never happen. It's pie in the sky. But if, if you and I and Joe's uncle down the street who sells life insurance, love and if, if, if I love Joe's uncle down the street who sells life insurance, if all of us walked around and said, you know, here's how much money I have in my bank account. Here's how much my house is worth and what my mortgage is, or I would create, again, it would create all sorts of other problems in some ways, but it would also get rid of a whole bunch of other problems. I feel like it's, I'm now I'm going down a whole other road and it's not at all about regulation and this problem of like relationship based advising. But let me go back to one thing. When I talk to clients very often and we look at their portfolio and we say, okay, let's, let's talk about what you're actually getting for what you're paying. Yeah. Because here's something very similar to what you have and it costs this much. And, and this is what you get with that. And here's what you have. What do you get from that? Yeah. And very often it's, well, I, I know him and I like him or I know her and I like her. Yeah. Um, but what are you getting for that? <laughs> because they are getting a paycheck. Yeah. They are not talking about you as hmm. I know him and I like him and I know her and I like her. If that person came in and I gave them the kind of advice that I could give them and I, I, Sidebar, again, now this is a sidebar of a sidebar. I talk to a lot of people who want to be fee-only planners. Yeah. Many of them are coming from insurance or banking backgrounds. Most of them call me to say, I really want to do what you're doing. And I want to help people. And I feel like I've been helping people, but I feel like I can't, I'm constrained. And I'd like to help them in a different, more expansive way. That's a huge subset. That's like 98% of them. 2% of them call me and say, but do you make any money? And isn't it unfair that... We spend all this time on clients and they think it's for free and we're just giving our time away and all we get is this check at the end of the month for the commission. And I think, I don't think that you and the client are talking about the same transaction. I feel like there's something. Mm. No, that's an interesting thought right there is, is, and I think that that might be at the core of what you're talking about, about relationship-based finance. And it kind of does tie together. <laughs> Something's there. No, no, because it, it, it ties to this idea of, of, you know, what is free and, and how to help people. Cause it's like, is everybody involved in the same transaction? It's, it's easy when you go to the store and you buy something, you don't know that person, you know, um, you, well, that's not actually true. Because, like, you talk about brand loyalty and all that kind of stuff. So, like, you know, if I go and buy my, you know, Apple computer, I'm spending stupid amounts of money. Um, but I've decided it's worth it on a bunch of bases. You know, the product itself, um, the familiarity I have with it, the customer service that I've gotten in the past and, mm -hmm. and hope to get in the future. Uh, just the kind of – and the experiences that I've had – with the company's faces, this same idea is like, well, I've just met nice people at the Genius Bar, and I like the experience of going in, and and then you, and then like a little bit of an aesthetic because it kind of they look nice. So like, there is that, there are elements within that, and trust is a massive thing when you're dealing with something like what you know with relation based anything, but specifically I would say with something like money because it is a matter of trust. 
I, I think that what you really, and I really agree with what you're saying, is that that trust really it kind of has to flow both ways in a way. And, and, and I think that a lot of the time, um, the, the transaction has to balance out for, especially in, in really trust kind of situations. And, and what the regulations do is they put the, they put the advisor's skin in the game. Yeah. They say, look, you're going to trust me with your money. You're going to trust me with the fact that I'm going to give you the best advice I can that I can find defensible in the moment and I'm going to work as hard as I can to kind of give you that advice based on the information you give me and, and, and make sure that you understand that information in the context that, that, that you exist in. Um, and then I'm going to, and then whatever, and then you're, I'm going to get compensated with a price, which you're going to understand as well and be okay with. And if you did not get what you want, if I somehow misled you deliberately, you have the right to 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 complain about that and and to to exact some kind of conversation, whether that's in mediation, whether that's in 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 however that that kind of comes out, or whether it's in the courtroom. Um, I I think I think that is it possible that what financial advisors obviously you don't want to get sued nobody wants to get sued nobody wants to have that crazy client that wants to get sued and and it and the cost of all that and but that's seems to be more in the states as far as the litigation culture we're a little bit less like that in canada but the idea that we want all the trust to flow one way we want all the trust to be in you trust me i am an expert i will tell you exactly what but having no obligation to actually earn and deserve that trust see and so, okay, so why do people go and get financial advice or accounting advice or legal advice? Because the truth is, in, in some situations, not all, there's some stuff you can find out on your own for sure. But in lots of situations, the person that you're going to advice is billing themselves as somebody that kind of has had experience, that knows where to look, that knows what they don't know and can do the research and can put it all together in a way that suits you individually. Yeah. That means that that person just by very nature the fact that you're going to them for advice has an informational advantage over you and if that person knows way more about how markets work or how investing works or how mortgage rates work whatever it is then they have a higher burden of trust put on them you are automatically trusting them more and that means to me that if you if if that person okay look if you said to somebody i'm punctual but you had never had to have a, an appointment where you showed up. How can somebody believe you when you say you're punctual? If you say, I am trustworthy, but you've never worked together, you've never spent 30 years getting yeah. investment advice from them, how do you trust them? It cannot be because they're nice Joe's uncle down the street who sells insurance. No. It has to be because they can say, here is my here is my oath to you. <laughs> I, yeah. I will allow you to, to have recourse yeah. if you feel like I have not fulfilled this oath. And also on top of that, here are all the things that I have, here are all the ways of, that I could make money that I have said, I'm not going to make money in that way, because in that way, it twists the way that I might give advice to you, even if I feel like I'm really good, I'm a nice person, and I want to do the right thing for you. Also selling referrals to this other financial product and getting remunerated from that, that, that kind of might twist my opinion about this. And I want to make sure to avoid that. So many other, well, not so many other, there's only a couple, but lots of other professions require you to have, to not only disclose conflicts, but to actively seek them out and remove them. 
Yeah. So if you think that you are a good enough financial advisor that you can be worth the money that's getting paid to you, why aren't you good enough to not get paid by anything else? Yeah. There it I is. Don't, I don't understand that. And, and I'd like to just kind of point out the fact that you, what you said about the idea of the information um, imbalance, how, information imbalance that, that's what fiduciary means. That specific, that's the word they came up with to describe the level of responsibility people with an information imbalance have to the people that come to ask them for help because they recognize the fact that that puts you in a powerful situation and, and that's like, people use words like that um, and it can be easy for them to kind of just like go in one ear. It, that word is really important. It, 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 and it's exactly the spirit of what you said is that when you go to somebody who knows a ton more than you do about something and you're asking for their advice, that fiduciary responsibility is for them to not abuse the fact that they know more than you to trick, trick is a malicious way, but they can't abuse that power over you. They have got to try to serve your best interest with that information. And I couldn't agree more with what you're saying about being like, look, and, and I would say that um, when you're talking about, you're talking specifically about the decisions that you've made about fee-only planning, the idea that um, the way you want to get paid, and it's what I believe too, you don't want it to be uh, touched by third-party systems and, and kind of it, it, that makes you uncomfortable um, in, a, in a, it just, it, that's not the way you want to be paid. Look, if you're somebody out there who believes in the commission system, and you want to pitch that to your client and show them exactly how it works and say, look, I'm going to show you the products and what the commissions are, and you can pick what you want, and I believe that this does not taint my decision-making capability, and I will show you, I will prove to you that you can still trust me even though this is the way I'm getting paid. Fine, do it, you know? Like, but, but don't... Look, there's a whole conversation we can have about human nature and commissions and the fact that <laughs> disclosures and look, okay. it's it's totally fair. And 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 like I just know that there are some people that really do believe the commission-based system is based on um, a trust level, and you can't abuse the commission-based system when you're really disclosing everything because people will just leave you if if you're not offering a competitive product. That doesn't happen in the finance industry because there's not that disclosure and there's not that conversation. But if you would come in from the outside and say, um, as an advisor, I like the commission-based system. I think it can work. I, I, I say in this context to this conversation, fine, yeah. but, but put the skin in the game. Say, like, say that you're worthy of that trust. Say that you can step up the, to the fiduciary plate and, and take a swing. Because you know? otherwise, you really are... Um, you're marketing, you're marketing a lie if you're asking people to trust you with that level of vulnerability and you're not backing it up um, with anything. You know? Yeah. You can't have it both ways. You can't say that, well, like, it's whatever happens to be in, I, I was, you know, I just had a sales call. I kind of know about that product or whatever. You can't say that it's something easy that you do for people and also something where you shouldn't have to take responsibility for somebody coming in like it doesn't it just doesn't jive at all and i it makes me angry so yes of course it makes me angry and i think like do away with it yeah uh, because that's the thing that i do <laughs> no it, like look it's hard to know what to do next and it, and it's not necessarily like that's a that's a complex problem and it's a complex thing to know where to come at it clearly you were talking about financial literacy before 
um, that's something that some people feel like is a, is a big part of the key. And, and it may be part of the solution. You know, it's hard to argue against financial literacy, even though I agree with you that it's not the solution to the entire problem. There are other issues. You know, people taking from the regulation side, I don't understand enough of that to know all the things that can help there. There, there clearly is something to be said, but as we saw with CRM2 here in Canada, that there's regulation that can be fairly toothless and can actually change very little. And I would say the same thing, the same kind of warnings about these regulations that are coming up to try to limit how you can use titles in the financial industry and, and kind of, you know, what's a planner and what counts as a planner and what education you need to have. Like, these are good spirit of the rules, but how are you going to make it? And how do you actually allow for the minutia of, of having, it just, it's a more challenging problem than just some of these black and white regulations. And so there's real challenges out there and and I don't know what it is, but I do love the kind of core of it, trying to get to what the real issue is. And I think the real issue is what you were talking about, about trust. And it really does boil down to trust. And if everybody isn't on um, equal footing in the sense of there's just all the cards are on the table, um, good work can't be done, Mm. you know, and, and it's, and it's not fair I don't care how childish and naive that sounds, you know, to have a system, uh, a system that requires the vulnerable, both information wise, which happen at all income levels mm-hmm. and um, to to uh, have a system that's stacked against them and that they don't even know, you know. Well, and listen, the, the vulnerable people that can't afford to pay $2,000 for a financial plan, let, like we'll just put a pin in sort of that price, let's say. Yeah. They're not paying $2,000 a year to their advisor either. No. And the business, and I know that there are a lot of advisors that don't pay attention to the compensation grid and certainly aren't saying, well, I noticed I got a check for like $5.28 from your commission, so I'm going to give you $5.28 worth of work. But I... Um, unless they are extremely independent, those people are under an enormous amount of pressure from management, from the compensation grid, from the fact that they have a, their own mortgage to pay to make sure that in some way people who are paying them less are getting less. That's yeah. why they don't, it's never in kind of the retail world, but there are A clients and there are D clients. And the whole idea is, okay, let's make sure that there's much less time. It's much, we'll call it efficiency. We'll do all these things to make it seem but really, it's let's spend less money and time on the people that can pay us less and more money and time on the people who can pay us more. Look, it's, it's a complicated problem. Um, and, and it's even more further complicated by what you just said, the fact that you have a whole bunch of people that are just trying to make their way and earn a living. And, and it's easy. It's really easy when you just think about the billionaires and bank CEOs and stuff like that. But really, you've got a bunch of bankers and people that call themselves financial advisors at banks that we're talking about that want to pay their mortgage and support their kids. And it's like, but it, you, you, you can't, you have to remember, and I know that it sucks, and I know that it seems like I'm coming at it from a, a high horse, but it's just like that it's easy to turn everybody into numbers, and it's easy to turn all these issues into numbers and to look at exactly what you've been talking about. And, and yeah, that's the way you make a good business. But I... This is this is totally naive, but I just believe that the way you make money matters, and and it's people. It it it. This is a this is a service business, and okay. and it's just it's 
got to end. I just think that there's a way that both parties can can get what they need. So I, when I started in banking in, 20, in 2005, I was going to say 2005, in the 05s, <laughs> when I started in banking, although those many moons ago, um, we were just transitioning over into a sales-based system where there were um, quotas and there were um, like the, the tellers weren't just there to help people figure out how come this payment bounced or where, you know, yeah. like whatever yeah. it was, uh, do you have a visa or like they, they had quotas that they had to fill and we all did. And those people, the lifers, the lifer tellers that were just like, this doesn't make any sense. They had oriented their brains that they were in a service-based industry. Mm. That It goes right back to what we were talking about before, banking, basic financial, basic banking services as a service. And so again, we live in a society where a lot of the, um, a lot of the um, responsibility to, you know, pay for your own retirement, let's say, or bring you up to a certain minimum income level, a lot of that. So there's some levels at the province and the government to, or in the, the province and the uh, federal level to pay for, like there's CPP and there's OAS and those types of things. But essentially the responsibility to have anything more than that minimum income, it now devolves down to the person, the individual. Um, and they have to go, I get there. There's a point here and it has to do with going back and being in banking in 2005 and transitioning from the service industry. Service but, to- but, yeah. So, to, so this com- these companies, these banks are allowed to extract enormous amounts of money from people whose responsibility is now just not just to make a living today, but to save up some of that living if they want to have, you know, an income of higher than $18,000 a year in the yeah. future. Um, and so to say to have done made that transition into sales, it really does underlie. It's, it's really just a, obviously it's just a profit-driven business. But can we say that this service is essential, and therefore it has to be a service at some level? It has to be a service, and it can't be a product-driven hmm. sale. Like I, in, again, in Sandy's ideal world, where there's all sorts of kooky things, imagine if the bank was a service again. I mean, I was paid a salary. I didn't think that I, oh, well, I'm not on commission. I don't know what you're talking about. Trailer commissions were paid to the branch. We've talked yeah. about this, right? It, it still, it's exactly the same system. It just is insulated one step, but I still have to go and explain what I sold, right, to yeah. the manager. Imagine if you were free to not, imagine if all of, anybody that worked in a bank, all of their um, like performance scorecards had to do with service. How, yeah, and how healthy that person's finances were, irrespective of whether they had just paid their mortgage off and didn't replace it with a secured home equity line of credit. Or, you know what I mean? Like all the traditional, more kind of better healthy indicators. And it was about service and people kind of feeling, oh, there's so much there. I can't no, even breathe anymore. <laughs> no, but it, it's like the full service, full circle. The full circle thing is that the bank's arguments right now and the financial industry's arguments against this fiduciary rule yeah. um, are based in the idea that uh, they need to be allowed to provide basic services, financial services for low-income people or for people that can't afford to find help in other, in other places. And your reminder that the bank system is no longer a service system. It's a product-based system. Just goes to show you, like, that's what they're fighting against. They don't want to have to change the way they sell products and the way that they... And But they're, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
or at least it's you know a, a like a llama in sheep's clothing where you're like oh no that's too similar it's like a it's like a goldfish dog in sheep's clothing i don't know it's like it's it's not necessarily like i think the services are better too but it's not like it's just the yeah, fact yeah, that they're yeah. selling it as one thing yeah. and it's and it's another thing and and they're standing on a platform saying we need to be allowed to offer services to these people and you're like you're not a service industry yeah and so that's not what you're doing and if you're doing it it's peripheral it's not a focus and it's not guaranteed to be any good and if it is good it's an it's a, it's an accident it's not due to your brilliance no it's as if i mean the service layer is really the same as public charitable giving on a, on the behalf of a corporation. Mm. It's there because the corporation wants that as a tax credit. Yeah. Very rarely does a you know like it's not like oh gee how can we make the world a better place let's let's cure breast cancer. Again oh so cynical, but if that I mean if that was the aim would they need to spend a lot of money on all the other stuff like couldn't you just give money to uh, breast cancer foundation or whatever anyways <laughs> tangential again. But so, but the service, it really is. It's to like, yeah, keep coming to us. We're not rapacious people just trying to make a buck off of you. Yeah. We're here to help you. Yeah. Look at us help everybody. Gather around. We're helping. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and people, because it's a, it's a whole spectrum, people have been helped. Yeah. Um, other people have been not helped. And other people have not been not helped. In capitals. And it's so quickly we forget things like the Wells Fargo scandal, which just happened, where the bank was clearly being a product business, you know? Or TD and CIBC and I can't remember the other one, so I'm not going to name it, double dipping on client fees for private clients and managed clients. And it's just... That was like yesterday. <laughs> there you go. Like, probably will be forgotten by the time we post this. But so <laughs> the example works completely well. Perfectly. It's... It's just, you know, there's no accountability. There, it's it's alternate facts is what it is. Yeah, you yeah, know? it's just a way of spinning it because the people that are in the system, all the compliance officers, all the people that are like, listen, you, I, my whole job is making sure that all of these frontline salespeople are doing their job according to securities law, but it's not according to the spirit of the law. Yeah, it's according to did you fill out the KFC or the KFC. <laughs> Full circle callback. Did you fill out the KFC? Did you fill out the KYC? Did you make sure their signature is here and here and here and here and here? It's not. Did you help that person? Which, of course, I mean, how do you how do you check for compliance with? Did you help that person? Unless you're in the room with them and you know everything about them. But that there's there's an incredible amount of money already being spent on living up to the regulations that there already are. And so, yeah. from a business business perspective and from a day to day activity perspective, everybody that's sitting in an office is going, "Oh, what new thing do we have to do now?" And I can tell you that the monthly compliance meeting, where everybody has to say, "I have no material changes to my securities regist registration. I'm not bankrupt. My name is still this," all of them are saying, "What is my compliance officer going to tell me now?" And the only way they're thinking about it is, okay, now you have this, now we have form, previously there was form 8002PF2, and you had to get their signature on line four and line seven. Now it's it's form 800PF4, yeah. and you have to get initials here and here and here instead. Also, you have to print into a paper airplane and fly it to the compliance office. Well, and like, it's, that's just, it. it's filling it with all this, it's the same thing the finance industry does in general for the personal, like for a personal person, personal person, for an individual <laughs> person. Um, it's the idea you just you cram it full of all these uh, acronyms and and distance. Just get distance away from the fact that the real question is, 
what do I want and how do I build it and what are the tools that are available? It's the same thing for the people at, at the financial industry. It's like these, how do I get through these forms and check the right boxes and increase the right metrics? And, and you forget that, I think it's easy to forget and understandable to just forget that that's getting in the way of you maybe doing what you want to do for some people, which is trying to just deliver the help that people want. It's just because there's all these things, and there's forms and, 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 and all these places to sign and this number here and, and, and did this number go up and like, how am I being graded? And, and look, like I said before, it's just like, there's nothing wrong with trying to make a living. And this is how people come back all the time being like, well, these nice people that make their money off commissions that are like, I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. Like I just, why are you trying to change my way, my ability to make a living? And you're like, I get that. But you know, at a certain point we need to call a spade a spade, like just recognize what the system is and that it's not helping and that it's not what you say it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's I always think of the finance industry and this is really glib and it doesn't take into account that human beings rely on this to make their money and have been building their life around this continuing to be the way they make their money. Um but I, I think of it as the record industry. Like at what point do we say the labels um clamp down on digital downloads and you can't, don't change the model because yeah. we've built our profitability on that model. And yeah. no matter, even if people don't want to buy that model anymore, let's make sure that that's the only model they can yeah. buy and shut down any competition around it and any talk of making something easier or regulating or anything, yeah. because this is the way we make our money and screw you if you want to, you know, like mess with it. <laughs> no. And I think I like that analogy because the record industry in that model, it's not serving the artists. And it's not serving the audience. And in the same way, I would say it's not serving the banking system. It's not serving the people that really want our our, um, financial professionals that really want to help people. Um, It's not serving them. And it's not serving the people that need help. And so everybody's locked into a system that is not, that maybe works for a few, but does not work for everybody. And like you said, they're handed a, a, a manual if they're lucky to say, this is how you've got to try to fit into the system or just try to figure it out. Yeah. You know, um, hope you don't make too big of a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> it won't have any major life, uh, life resu- like it won't have any major effects on your life. If it will, yeah. Possibly, yeah. you know, oops, oops. <laughs> man. Well, there we solved all the problems of the world. Yes. Well done. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Because Money is a labor of love and involved no ads or other sponsorship, be sure to click the like or subscribe button where you downloaded this from, as we'll help other listeners find the podcast and raise our profile, which in turn makes it easier to book guests. Please visit becausemoney.ca for show notes and related links.